A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for now everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five, ox, five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, my love. Contextually, let me set the context, that is my wife. <laughs> you don't get to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, Sojourn. Good morning, Sojourn. Y'all tired? Now, I don't know why we keep on letting these people steal an hour from us with this daylight savings thing. I am tired, and so I want to know, are you with me? So if you're with me, clap one time. If you're with me, clap two times. If you're with me, clap three times. Let's jump in the Word of God because you said that you're with me, so let's go ahead and do it. Let's pray for the Lord for some help. Gracious Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, what a balm it is to our hearts, to our spirits, to our souls, to our very being. Lord, we ask that you would meet us in this place today, Lord. Would you do what only you can do, Lord? Lord, would you deliver some folks for some stuff? Lord, would you bring some people to know you that has never accepted the invitation that we're going to talk about this morning, Lord? And Lord, would you revive your people through your spirit that we may live on mission? Lord, would you do a thing? Lord, use me this morning, this broken vessel. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we have been going through this series on the parables, and we've been looking at the parables of the kingdom. What does, the par what does the kingdom look like? What does it mean to, to enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus gives these short stories about what it means to be a part of the, the, the kingdom. Well, we're going to be transitioning in the next few weeks on the parables of judgment and what it means to reject Jesus' invitation to enter into the kingdom. And today, it was served as a hybrid between the two, both a parable of the kingdom as well as a parable of judgment. I've titled the sermon, Jesus Sends an Evite. Jesus Sends an Evite. It is true. Uh, have you ever received an invitation in your, in your inbox? Right? An Evite in your, in your inbox. What does it say? Yes? No? Or maybe? Y'all don't get invitations? <laughs> I'll send you an invitation so you can join the group. It says yes, no, or maybe, which is really a soft way of saying no, right? But, but, but it says yes, no, or maybe, and we receive invitations for all types of things in our culture. If you're going to show up, you better have an invitation. 
We receive invitations for parties, for galas, for celebrating weddings, for all types of things. I just learned that if you are going to be attending the Academy Awards, no matter who you are in Hollywood, you have to receive an invitation. It doesn't matter if you're Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise can't walk up and say that I'm on the A-list. Take me in. Brother, you better have an invitation. Invitations are important. They say something very important about personhood, about who we are. They are powerful and they are meaningful because they do, in fact, affirm personhood. Now, I don't know, we don't think that deeply about it. Uh, I don't know, you think about that when you got the last invitation to a birthday party or to a kid's birthday party, but it does implicitly speak to that. Your worth, who you are. To be invited means that your presence is desired and that you belong at the event to which you are invited. It speaks to belonging, it emphatically, particularly, penetratingly says, you. I want you. Your presence is requested. Your presence is desired. And that's what we're going to see this morning with the parable of the great banquet. Jesus sends an invitation, and he sends an invitation to anyone to anyone who will come in to this banquet. And the invitation is going through, symbolically, humanity to come and sup with the Lord at the Lord's Supper. What we do week in and week out is just a symbol, it's just a a part of what that is going to look like in the whole in the future. But the whole idea of the Lord's Supper is this, this idea of a kingdom feast, a messianic feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a foretaste of, of this feast that we're going to have. And, and the Lord invites us not just uh, in this feast in the future, but no, we get to have some of this feast even right now through, through relationship with God, through community and communion with one another. But Jesus is going to invite us to this great banquet that's going to be taking place at the end of time. What a beautiful time that will be. So the question that I will lay before all of us this morning is, listen, have you accepted the invitation, one, and if you have accepted the invitation, you sit at the table of Jesus, do you consume of the feast? Do you take advantage of what the Lord has laid before us? We're going to look at this parable, and we're going to wrestle and grapple with three different ideas this morning. The first one we're going to be looking at is the rejection of the invitation. So let's look at the story again. The rejection of the invitation with this question in mind, what excuses are you holding on to? He says that when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom. But he said to him, Jesus speaking now, a man once gave a great banquet, invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. What's going on here? Jesus has been invited to a house party. He's been invited to a dinner and and, and Jesus is sitting down, he's eating and he's reclining and he's chilling with the host and chilling with everyone. An awkward moment has just passed. When you read the previous section, an awkward moment just passed. The host that invites Jesus, Jesus looks through his soul. You know, he has that way of just looking through your soul. He looks through his soul and says, he doesn't say that I know why you invited me, but he just says it. He says, listen, the next time you invite someone to a banquet, don't invite the famous. Don't invite your relative. 
Don't invite your neighbor. Don't invite the people that can pay you back. No, I want you to invite the most vulnerable in society. I want you to invite people that cannot pay you back. And you get this sense that the host is like, what are you just, I didn't invite you. And you want to say this to me? Jesus, you get the sense that Jesus said, I know why you invited me here because it says something about you. I'm the new big thing in town. It says something about you that you were able to get me here. Oh, but I got some stuff to tell you. I got some stuff to teach you, and Jesus is going to do it. And so, you, so he begins to, he wants to break the awkwardness in the moment. He wants to break this awkwardness by giving this toast. It's awkward because he says it, okay, um, well, out of, any, out of nowhere, seemingly, he says it, blessed is anyone, uh, excuse me, is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. It just kind of breaks the tension. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, from this moment, he begins to tell this parable. What's in the mind here? The man who is speaking, the host of the house, he's picking up on this imagery from Isaiah 25, verse 6. He says that on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. Somebody likes their wine. He says, this is going to be a beautiful feast. And in the end of time, there's going to be this place where there's no more pain, no more hurting, no more scars, no more anything that is evil in the world, no more presence of evil. He says, there's going to become a time in the eschaton, as we say, in the end times, I mean, excuse me, after this age, it's going to come a time where we're going to feast and, and, and have this beautiful community. And Jesus says that, yes, you're right. But let me tell you who is actually going to be at that feast. And he begins to tell the story. He tells the story of a man who threw a banquet, a depnon, a glorified house party, if you will. He throws this banquet, and then he sends an invitation out to all types of people. He says, come and come into this banquet. Now, in the ancient world, they would have had two, more, a lot like the modern world, they would have had two forms of uh, invitation. The first one is the RSVP. They would have sent the invitation out and said, that, will you come? And they would say, yes, I will come. The second one was the day of, okay, the feast is now here. Come on in. And this is exactly what we have at this moment. The man goes out, the servant goes out and says, that, okay, it is now ready. You've RSVP'd the dinner. The feast is now ready. How do they respond? Verse 18 says that, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Huh. That is interesting. They all began to make excuses. The man said that I bought a field, I must go and see it. Now, to the people that are actually listening to this story, this sounds more and more like a joke than it does a serious story. Because this would have been absurd. There's no way in the world that people would pass up a feast to do these type of things with these types of excuses. And so you get the sense that the Pharisees are sitting there, the religious elites are sitting there, and they say that, no, there's no way in the world that this is true. No one would say that I'm going out to, to buy a field. I, had to, I bought a field, so I must go see it. You're going to go look at some dirt? 
instead of coming to feast with the Lord? No one the right mom would say that I bought five yoke of oxen and I go and examine them. You're going to go look at some cows, some cows and some, some, some uh, yokes? I know they're not cows. I know there's a technical, technicality there, a difference. I know. It's just fun to say cows. <laughs> You're going to do that instead of coming to the feast? Now, this is one that we may relate to the most. I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Ah, the old ball and chains excuse. <laughs> you know, my wife, you know, she's not letting me out the house. Can't come. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> this is absurd to the people. There's no way in the world that someone would do this. Why? Because you go to these feasts, you attend these feasts because you want to be seen. You want to be known. You dress up in the best cotton. You dress up in the best clothing, whatever they had. You showed yourself. That was to show your status. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisees early on throughout the Gospels to say that you like that. You like the attention, the religious elite. You do things to be seen. You do things. But that's God sees right through that. That's why they will say that, no, I will be there There's no way in the world I would make these excuses. What's the point here? The point is that the excuses are absurd. As a matter of fact, it is so absurd that in the ancient world, to turn down a request for a banquet was an act of war when it's done politically. It was to say that I don't want to have anything to do with you. It was to say that, 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 no, keep your invitation. We are at beef. We have some ought. I don't want to have anything to do with you. No, this was one of the highest forms of social rudeness. During Jesus' time, meals were more than just meals. It was more than just feeding the face. It was so unlike the American 1950 ideal of a, of a microwavable dinner in front of a TV. No, meals were where you did life together. Meals was where you did the, where you did the hard stuff of relationship. Meals were where you ate, were able to look at one another and do some hard stuff. It was a ceremony richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. If you had an estranged relationship, it was at the table that you were able to present and able to develop and build reconciliation. Meals were the stuff of life happened. So there's no way in the world that these excuses would have been accepted even in this story. I think a fair question is, if you are not a Christian in this room, If you are not a Christian in this room, and I know it's very easy for us to put the right clothes on and be in the right seats at the right time of the day, and we say that we just kind of blend in, but in our hearts, we are really filled with doubt, and in our hearts, we don't really believe, and in our hearts, we believe that we hope that someday it'll catch on. I want to speak to you right now. The question is, what excuses and what reasons are you bringing with you to the church right now where you say that I don't want to become a Christian or I cannot see myself becoming a Christian? It is those excuses that Jesus is wanting to address. It is those excuses and those reasons that Jesus is able to address. See, the excuses that we, that we have uh, that are most common is, 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 is the excuses of hurt and pain. I cannot believe that a God, a loving God, will, will exist and allow such pain to happen. These are things that Jesus is inviting you to, and to come to his table with. Come to his table with your, with your hurts because he's able to sympathize with those hurts. 
Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that, listen, we don't have a, a, a high priest or we don't have a Lord that is just simply from a different socioeconomic background and you're from another socioeconomic background. And he says, like, look, I don't really get your, 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 your narrative. I don't really get your struggle, but I can, I can at least empathize with you. No. Scripture says that, no, I'm right there in the thick with you. I know exactly what you're going through. I'm able to empathize, I'm, ready to, I'm able to sympathize with you because I too have experienced hurt in this fleshly body. I too was rejected. I too was turned over. I too did nothing to deserve how I was treated. Me too, I know. He says that if it's the hurts, bring it to the table. If it is doubts, bring it to the table. Bring it to the table. Listen, doubt is something that is real. Doubt is something that is real. And you can look in the scriptures and see Paul saying that, listen, be merciful to those who have doubts. Be merciful to those that have doubts. You get the sense that Paul, who knows that he doubted Jesus, he did not believe in Jesus, and he pursued those that would say that they believed in Jesus and tracked them down and killed them. Until something miraculous happened into his, in his life, until he was transformed, until Jesus actually showed himself to him as an apostle. He says, listen, I, I, I know that you may have doubt, but we understand doubts. I love what the brother Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century Baptist preacher from England, has to say about doubt. He says that I do not believe there ever existed a Christian yet who did not now and then doubt his interest in Jesus. I think when a man says, I never doubt, it is quite time for us to doubt him. He says, listen, I am not afraid of your doubts. I know that life has the ability to choke some stuff out. I know that life has the ability to cause you to question some things. Bring it to the table. Don't stay on the outside. He's able to deal with even doubts. If you have fears, let me love you because the scripture says that fears, that love drowns out fear. There's not a single issue, a single issue where Jesus is not able to say that, uh, that I understand, I don't, excuse me, I don't understand, I don't know. There's not a single issue that he's not able to fully understand. He says, come to the table with your excuses. See, the, the problem is that when we have excuses to keep us away from the Lord versus coming to him with them. I want to encourage you, if you are not a Christian this morning, and maybe the issue is believing that a person rose from the dead in light of the fact that we're about to celebrate Easter. That is what our whole faith hinges upon. Did Jesus rise from the dead? And for the last 2,000 years, billions of people have declared, yes, he did. And we would love to talk with you about that in the coming weeks as an invitation to make sure that you're here as we are celebrating Easter. But we want to invite you to an honest conversation with us because Jesus can handle it at the table. The second thing that I want us to look at is the invitation of the rejected. The invitation of the rejected, Jesus invites the unwanted to his banquet. Let's look at verse 21. He says, As so the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. The story changes and has a radical shift here. Instead of just, just stopping the banquet because those at RSVP did not come, he says, no, don't stop it. The banquet must go on. The kingdom of God advances despite people that reject it. 
The kingdom of God still goes on. The party must go on, if you will. Look out, look, look at the two, the differences between the groups that he's inviting. He says, no, I want you to go through the streets, go to the city that is within the proximity of where they are. And he says that bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. How are they different than the folks that would have ordinarily, uh, this is symbolically the Jews that Jesus was initially uh, engaging with? How were the, uh, what were they described as? Everyone that gave excuses, they, they have this characteristic. The first group of guests were independent, wealthy, educated, self-sufficient, preoccupied, capable, visionary, self-assured, satisfied. Does that sound familiar, church? It sounds a lot like us, doesn't it? It sounds a lot like us. We have it all together. We have everything that we need. We don't need Jesus. Where does he fit in at? And we're so full. Where does Jesus, where's the need of Jesus at? I remember the place where we used to live at in California. It was the richest county in the country at the time. And it was because this is where my seminary was. Uh, I've said this before. It's not because I made that money. I don't make the money. But we were situated there, and it was so difficult to preach the gospel to a people that believed that they had everything. This is why Jesus says that it is difficult for a person, for a rich person, to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus says it's impossible. There's plenty of rich people that are in the kingdom of God. It says it is difficult. Why is it difficult? Because they don't see their need for Jesus. What are the characteristics of those that are invited to this depnon, this banquet. He says, go to the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. They are dependent, needy, handicapped, broken, damaged, filled with doubts, marked by baggage, afraid, hungry, alone, That is what describes the condition of those that Jesus says, turn your attention to them. Go to them and bring them on the inside. These are those that we as a society and them as a society, we don't pay attention to them. These are the unseeable people in our society. In this society that where, you, where you don't do anything for anyone unless they can scratch your back. You scratch your, my back, I scratch yours. I have you at this house because it says something about me. I want to be a friend with you because of what this says about me. What are the benefits that you can bring to my life? And Jesus says that that's not who's going to be at my dinner. That's not who's going to be at the banquet. I want those that can't offer anything. I want those that cannot buy their ways buy their way into this social club. I want the broken, the broken, the broken because they see their desperate need for me and they have all of the room in the world to bring me in. That's who I want. It is to a broken spirit and to a contrite heart. To this I will draw deny there's so much that we can learn from those that society doesn't see. It is to them that Jesus says, I see you. It is to them that Jesus says, I see you and I want you. He doesn't void them. It's not awkward. He's not saying, no, he wants them because they are those that need him desperately as we all do, but they see that need from them. We can learn so much from them, from the broken, from the marginalized, from the suffering, 
from those who have suffered bodily ailments, so from those who have been born and born within in, in not non-normal conditions in terms of bodily functions, though we can learn so much from them. See, we in this society, we have to stop being teacher and stop being the, the person that overlooks them. And, and I'm preaching to myself and say that and imply in our minds that somehow they're less than or they're not, they're not competent. Or, no, that Jesus says that, no, listen, this is who you need to become a student of. This is, is what they suffer from and what they struggle with is what the condition of your heart should be. Jesus lays them out and says, listen, I... I see you, and the question that we're faced with is, does Jesus want at his table who we refuse at ours? Jesus wants the broken at his table. And listen, we live in a society that is all about performance and all about how good you are and how, all about how good you look, and we do body shaming, and we look in the mirror, and we tuck in our, tuck in our stomach, and we say, that I wish I was taller, I wish I was this, and I, I wish I was that, and, and we're comparing ourselves because we want to belong with the accepted group. We do so much, and we bring it into the church, and we put on our faces, and we, we put on the right clothes, and we say that, listen, I want to look the part, but Jesus is saying, I want the exact opposite. Don't you get it, church? I love what Brother Cliff, Pastor Cliff said this morning is that, listen, this looks less, less like the modern church today, and it looks more like a recovery movement. It looks more like an AA meeting. It looks more like the person that said, listen, my name is so-and-so, and I am this. That's what the church, my name is James Westbrook, and I am broken, and I had nothing to offer Jesus, and I had nothing to offer anyone, and all I had was this flesh and bones, which is not much, but Jesus made me whole. Jesus made me something. See, it's, 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 that, it's this, this, this beauty, this beautiful picture that brokenness is the way into the kingdom. Blessed is he who is poor in spirit. Look at the Beatitudes. Blessed is are those that do not have, for they will have. It's an upside-down kingdom. It doesn't make sense to the world. This is the dream team that Jesus is building. It's not the LeBron team. It's not the Stephen team of the All-Star NBA Jesus shows up to the NBA court with a team that looks jacked up, broken, have nothing to offer, can't jump, can't shoot, can't do anything. But it says, watch me take the game. This is my team. This is my team. That's who I want. And you notice that, look at what they're eating. They're not looking at eating the scraps. They're not looking at eating the stuff that's passed down from the, the grocery stores. They're not eating the canned goods high in sodium. They're not eating all the junk. They're not eating all the stuff that you may have in the crevice of your car that might have fallen down. They're not eating that. They're eating the best spread in the world. They offer, offer them caviar, offer them, see, see, people, we say that, no, no, why would you do this? Why would you give people like this the, uh, the best of the best? Because they're deserving of the best of the best. I grew up with grown-up food, kid food. Are you with me? I grew up with grown-up food and kid food. When I grew up in my house, mama said that that's my cereal and that's your city, cereal. Do, you, do we understand? You don't touch my cereal, you can eat your cereal. Mama got the Cheerios, I got the Circle O's. I'm like, what, what is a Circle O? What, what is that, Mama? That, that just don't feel right to my stomach. <laughs> we still have, we carry that over today. Mara, my baby, she want everything we eat. Like, nah, you eat, you eat the burger. I'm, I'm eating the, the Indian food, fresh cuisine, you know, from Shalomar. It's good stuff. 
He says, no, there's no distinction. He lays this out before them. And in this point of the story, they are the only ones present. This is all for you. The invitation I believe that is here is that this is an invitation for us to practice this godly, radical love. We have an, an opportunity to practice this love and demonstrate this love to people that, the, that our society typically overlooks. This is an opportunity to become students of those that suffer. Students of those that were born and they look a certain way or they're born with certain deformities. I have so much to learn from you. Teach me. Because Jesus says that this person, that's the one that is going to look most like what he's inviting to his table. The third invitation that we want to look at is the invitation to the outsider. The invitation to the outsider, there is still room. Verse 22, picking up there. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done. And there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet What a beautiful picture here. He says, Lord, okay, I went there and I went to the city. I went to the immediate area here and I invited all of them in, the broken in, but we still got some room and and we don't want anything to go to waste. And Jesus is not going to let anything go to waste. He says, there's still room. And he says, okay, listen, we have, I want the house packed out. It demonstrates the love of Jesus for people. I want people, God wills that no person shall perish. There is a missional energy here. Go out. Go further out then, man. Go and compel them. Go to the highways and hedges. This is a picture of going to the outsider, going to the non-Jewish person, going to the Gentiles, going to those from different nations. And it fits perfectly with the scripture that's in mind in Isaiah 25. Let's pick back up there in verses 7 and 8. He says that, that this feast that should happen in the end time, this feast that should happen at the end of time, it says that this feast is going to look like this. And he will swallow up on his mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. He says that, 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 listen, I want this meal, this banquet, this time of fellowship and communion. He says, this is going to be a place where there's no more tears, no more fighting, as we said earlier. This is going to be a place that, that there's no more of all the things that make us struggle. But guess who's going to be at this feast? Guess who's going to be at this table? Guess who's going to be at this banquet? It's going to be anyone. It doesn't matter who you are and what you look like and where you come from and what your resume is and and what you can offer. You can come and eat this food without money, without accolades, without resources. Come into it. And I love this because it's a beautiful opportunity to display what God's people and what God's people will look like even at the local level. What a beautiful picture we have here at Sojourn. What a beautiful picture that says that, listen, when you come into this place, you know that you belong in this place. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. Obviously, you're coming from all over the place. This is not our ideal. It's God's value. 
that no one is rejected because of what they look like. Go to the, high, the, to the highways. Go to the hedges. Go to the Gentile world. Go to them. No, they have never heard, heard from me or heard of me, but go to them. He tells them, compel them. That is the call of the evangelist, the call of the missionary. Go, and we all are called to the work of the ministry. We're all called to the work of an evangelist. Go, compel them. This urging it's necessary. It's necessary because most likely as, the, as the, the servant is going and telling people to come to this meal, most likely they, they're like, who wants me? Why? What are you? Who? I, you want a Gentile to come in. That's the sense of this word. That's why the compelling is necessary. That is our call. That is our responsibility because there is still room at the Lord's table. The Lord has dispatched his people to go and give the invitation to come on in. We are the servants in that story, in this parable. Jesus is the master of the house. We have a responsibility to go out to the world. And it's very interesting, we end off with this judgment as we're transitioning into parables of judgment. He says in verse 24, for I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. They were given an opportunity to come to my banquet, but they rejected the opportunity and they won't taste it. They won't be where I am. They won't uh, rejoice with me and have communion with me and with the Father. This is talking about the gift of eternal life says they won't have it. They will be on the outside. Great is that sorrow. Great is the sorrow of those that leave this world without Jesus. Great is the sorrow of those who leave this world without accepting the invitation that Jesus offers. Great is that sorrow where they will not be able to taste and partake of the banquet that the Lord will lay before everyone where everything about life will come to make sense. Great is that sorrow. And this teaches us that looks are deceiving. Those that seem to be at the front of the line won't even be present. Those whom the call went out to first won't even be be present. I started off the sermon by talking about the, the Evite. And so in the Evite, you have yes, no, maybe. Perhaps you have said no this morning. We want to have an honest conversation with you. We want to have an honest conversation with you as to why have you said no. And if you're open and you're open and willing to see what the Lord may say, and we believe that, that the Lord could do wonderful things in your heart and in your spirit. Perhaps you have said maybe, which may be a soft no. Maybe you come with real questions and real doubts. I want to give you the invitation to write some of those questions out. Write some of those doubts out. And engage with the pastor here. We would love to talk with you about that. We believe that you, you must have faith to believe what we believe because faith takes you beyond the world, but we believe that we have a reasonable faith. And we would love to lay before you some of the many reasons as to why we affirm the resurrection and all of this evidences. And perhaps you said yes. If you said yes, then you know where we are headed. Jesus invites you to a particular meal, 
a meal that you get to enjoy today in part and which you will be enjoying on the whole later. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gave thanks and broke bread. He said that this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Likewise, he took the cup and said that this is the blood of my new covenant. Take and drink. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Christian, you have the invitation today to come and partake of the mercies of the Lord. Come and eat and come and feast in part on what you will have in the whole later. If you're not a believer in this place, we ask that you abstain from this meal. Instead, we offer you fellowship. We offer you love. We offer you conversation. But this is going to be just for the believer, for the Christian. Uh, here at um, Sojourn, we take a piece of the bread. We dip it into the wine or the juice. The wine is marked by twine. The juice is not. We say do whatever your conscience permits. We have gluten-free options to my left and to your right. Let's pray to the Lord.